Hey, y'all, we hope you're enjoying today's show. Um, we just wanted to come by and let you know a little bit of the information of where you can find and follow us. Yeah, so if you click on the link in our Instagram bio, which you should be following us on Instagram at Hella Cheesement Podcast, it will take you to all the links to all of our platforms. The first one being uh, Patreon which is the visual content to our episode. And you can subscribe to this for $8 a month and you get to see all the tea and partake in our visual activities. Yes. And so, and just like Stephanie said, you can find everything in the bio on our Instagram page, as well as all of the other um, social media platforms we are on. Um, When you go to the Linktree platform, you can see our new uh, article with SD Voyager, links to Patreon, link to our TikTok, link to our YouTube channel, as well as all the different platforms you can listen to the podcast on. At the bottom of that link tree, you'll also see icons that are also clickable for you to find us on all of the platforms that we've mentioned. Again, Patreon is the only platform that we have a subscription plan to that's only $8 a month. And then everything else we provide for that we give for you all as far as content is free. Yeah, so go ahead and if you want to listen to us for free, it's at your Apple podcast, mm-hmm. Google podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you can watch, the, you can listen to the entire episode on YouTube, but you'll only get a portion of the visual. Like I said, we can uh, subscribe on Patreon. Uh, so utilize all the platforms and keep up with us on Instagram. Yep. And let's get back to the show. Bye, Familia. Titi me preguntó si tengo muchas novias, muchas novias. Hoy tengo a una, mañana a otra. Me la voy a llevar la toa pa' un VIP, un VIP. Ey, saluden a Titi. Another Tuesday and another dollar. <laughs> holla for a dollar. I'll holla. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Hella Cheese Made Podcast. I am Dana. And I'm Stephanie. And we are y'all's host. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. As you can see, we have a very um, luxurious, colorful, pink and red uh, setup situation going on here. Um, we are now in the month of February, so this is not only the month of love and the your favorite holiday, Valentine's Day, but it is also African American Black History Month, okay? We is, this month is about love and most importantly, loving on our Blacks mm-hmm. and our niggas and friends. <laughs> <laughs> In Spanish, um, Valentine's is Dia de Amor y Amistad, which is love and friendship. I love that. Mm. I love that. Um, And today we are not promoting the importance of drinking water. We are actually having (laughs) a little um, low alcohol content Mm -hmm. cocktail. I don't know if if you've never... um, I don't know. I mean, everybody doesn't have a BevMo, but like your local Total Wine or 
liquor ABC um, or somewhere. I don't know. So it's a Belgian wine, a Belgian beer, mm. and it's like a raspberry. That's good. Isn't it delicious? And I think it's like 5% alcohol or 7.5. What is it, you? Yeah. Anyway, it ain't going to get me drunk, and tomorrow I won't be pissed. <laughs> so in lieu of getting drunk, how was your weekend? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was rough. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Friday I chilled. Um I like stayed home, relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um and then Saturday mm-hmm. my brother had a softball tournament out in the fields and so I was literally there. Uh, I think I got there like at 11:30. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like a beer league. Mm-hmm. So you're just like drinking the whole time. And then um, we stayed to watch the playoff game there and then went and hit the streets after that. And it was a lot of tequila flowing. Mm-hmm. So we we're pretty, pretty wasted. And then um, the next day, uh, got some uh, like mariscos, some seafood. Got my mm. life together. Scrambled. Got some beers. Mm-hmm. And then I came over here, <laughs> and it spiraled very, very quickly. quickly. Um, tequila was flowing yet again. <laughs> And other shit was popping off. Oh, my. And we were just, we were up to like one in the morning, huh? It was late. Well, what's, okay. Because let me see. Hold on. Yeah. Let me, let, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Wait, what day was it? Sunday? Yes. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. I'm like seven calls, three calls. <laughs> So for context, <laughs> no, at one ten in the morning, one ten, I, I left. left. Wow, I left that in <laughs> one ten in the morning. I left here. Friend, we was live, <laughs> bro, live and in color, Liddy. We were um, living out a whole Beyonce music video. That was wild. First and foremost. <laughs> <laughs> so for context, um. We need a soldier. Yes. <laughs> I need a soldier. <laughs> Stephanie needs a soldier. Mine's was passed out on the couch. Um, so Paris and I had cleaned out our garage that day. So Sunday was definitely like um, we were, I guess we, we've been in like a spring cleaning phase um, because I'm going to go through the house uh, soon, this week coming mm-hmm. up too. Um so he had decided we, he wanted to clean the garage. So we had sat and cleaned the garage all day. And, I mean, we did a really good job. Like, it's super organized, super cleaned out. And then I we I was supposed to actually go out with you on mm-hmm. Saturday night. Yes. But I had, when you finally called me, I had already started having micheladas. Yes. And I was tired. And I was like... I'm just going to stay in the house. And also, I feel like Saturday was like the first Saturday in a long time that I was not like I had to like, you know, come in from driving all day, um, you know, decompress for that. So I kind of just felt like I was in a phase of 
I don't really want to do anything. Mm. Um, for that reason, because I was like, there's nothing really required for me. Right. Excuse me. Nothing really required of me today for it to be a Saturday. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to chill. Right. Yeah. Like, you know. So then Sunday, like I said, we did all of that. Then you came over and then, yes, things spiraled. I think <laughs> I feel like I started drinking that wine because at that point I was like, I've been working all day. I just want to yeah. chill. Sundays are usually like my chill and have like wine, wine. or champagne day. Like mm-hmm. I don't give it like sh- like that's my wine down day. Yeah. Um, yeah, girl. And then Bro. you came. I was drinking wine. I made you. I was chiles. drinking beer. You were drinking beer. I made chilaquiles. We had tacos and I had chili. Why was we eating all Guess that spicy what? shit? Because it's so good. It was hella good. And I had a agua chile before I came here. And also, oh. um, I took two jello shots. Yes, you did say you had taken two jello shots. They were good, though. So you know what they did? Mm-hmm. It was tequila with, like, strawberry jello. And they put the chamoy and tajin in the, in the mix. Okay. So, like, it was, I don't know, it was easy. Needless I still feel swollen. Girl, I woke up the next day fucked up. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I don't even remember. I guess. I maybe. Didn't... <laughs> Be careful what you say, Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't an eventful night. Um, it wasn't an eventful night. It was very yeah. eventful. A lot I, happened, I remember everything, but... though. Thank God. Yep. <laughs> I had fun. <laughs> Clearly yes. had a great time. Yes. Um, so I'm <laughs> sure you all are wondering why we are wearing blazers. Um, we are in our professional mode today. Uh, we have a special guest that will be joining us uh, in a little bit. Um, and we are going to talk a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Um, I've said to you all before that um, I work, my my background is the intersection of human resources and working in diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. And I've been a program manager, project manager, um, and overseeing internal and external programs pertaining to DEI, uh, and have been doing this work for about six or seven years now. So this episode today is gonna be kind of dedicated to that conversation. And we are going to meet with um, Alexandria Scobie. And she's going to sit and chit-chat with us about, you know, her background. And just been, you know, we're going to have a conversation about experiences and doing this work. So um, I hope y'all enjoy. And, you know, get your cocktails because we're going to have the DEI wind down and talk about some things. Yeah, it'll give you guys another glimpse into us as well, like mm-hmm. a different, you know, yes, different aspect of us. Yes, like, yes, we do do ratchet shit with our ratchet friends, but we also sit the fuck down and do our work, too. We also stand on business. Yes. That was the theme, Sunday's the theme. Th- oh, my God. <laughs> standing <laughs> on business. business. Yeah, we were definitely standing on top of those shot glasses. We were standing on all the business. Sure, um all right well let's take a break and then we're gonna get into this conversation stay tuned bye 
Hey, y'all. We hope you're enjoying today's show. Um, we just wanted to come by and let you know a little bit of the information of where you can find and follow us. Yeah, so if you click on the link in our Instagram bio, which you should be following us on Instagram at Hella Cheesement Podcast, it will take you to all the links to all of our platforms. The first one being uh, Patreon which is the visual content to our episode. And you can subscribe to this for $8 a month and you get to see all the tea and partake in our visual activities. Yes. And so, and just like Stephanie said, you can find everything in the bio on our Instagram page, as well as all of the other um, social media platforms we are on. Um, When you go to the Linktree platform, you can see our new uh, article with SD Voyager, links to Patreon, link to our TikTok, link to our YouTube channel, as well as all the different platforms you can listen to the podcast on. At the bottom of that link tree, you'll also see icons that are also clickable for you to find us on all of the platforms that we've mentioned. Again, Patreon is the only platform that we have a subscription plan to that's only $8 a month. And then everything else we provide for that we give for you all as far as content is free. Yeah, so go ahead and if you want to listen to us for free, it's at your Apple podcast, mm-hmm. Google podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you can watch, the, you can listen to the entire episode on YouTube, but you'll only get a portion of the visual. Like I said, we can uh, subscribe on Patreon. Uh, so utilize all the platforms and keep up with us on Instagram. Yep. And let's get back to the show. Bye, familia. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hella She's Made podcast. Um, so, like I mentioned, we have a special guest today. Um, so I will let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, my name is Alexandria. I am a executive coach and DEI consultant and facilitator. I met Dana on LinkedIn and we hit it off and he ended up joining the disruptors as a part of the team as a DEI consultant and facilitator. And then we did a season of our podcast for the equity evolution together. So that would be season two of the equity evolution. So check that out. Um, In my opinion, it was a great podcast. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it was really good. Um, And we'll get into some of those things as we move through the conversation. So um, the point of today's conversation, like I mentioned, was we're just going to talk through some DI things. I think that, um, like you mentioned, we've worked together and we've done some things with the disruptors. We did evolution, um, equity evolution together for the season two podcast. And I think we, um, I would say we covered some good ground going through those conversations and just navigating through um, about like diversity, equity, inclusion programs, uh, barriers that people come across. So I just want to start off about, um, I know you've, you've already mentioned working in DEI and being a consultant, how long and what's kind of been your journey um, for through working through DEI? Yeah, that's a really good question. I was thinking about that in all honesty, like my entire career has been focused around creating better spaces for more people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my first attempt at adulting, I always tell people was in the therapy space, working specifically with the Department of Corrections, Mm -hmm. uh, facilitating um, drug and alcohol groups. And so working in the addiction space with people who were on felony parole, 
But the biggest thing that I was doing there, like while my job was supposed to just be, oh, give them the information, but that's not rehabilitation. And that's not what you said that we were here to do. And so really creating spaces within the system to support people from being re-traumatized all the time and actually being able to successfully navigate the system. And so that takes a lot of equity and a lot of access to things that they may or may not know that they need or want access to. Uh, so that was really where my career started. And then moving into tech leadership, realizing like, we forgot people are humans. Okay, let's, <laughs> uh, let's remind that people are humans and creating the space for people to show up as their full authentic selves and to be human, not to be this computer that none of us could ever hope to be. And then bridging those two worlds with the executive coaching and the DEI consulting to be very specific and naming the work that I've really been doing for, I'm going to age myself, but almost 20 years now. <laughs> That's totally fine. We are not ageist around here, okay? Right. <laughs> a judge-free zone. <laughs> um, so just speaking to that, I think one of the things that when I thought about well, when I transitioned working into tech from a nonprofit field, I definitely, I, I can definitely see a sense of working in tech, the idea is that people can become a little bit more robotic and just, you know, they don't necessarily think through, um, don't necessarily think about the human aspect that still has to be there when working through uh, working in a tech industry or working in a super high high functioning uh, industry where things are changing consistently. Um, mm -hmm. What do you feel like were uh, just thinking about um, your experience there were some of the things that um, came up for you just that was like, we definitely need to like think about and work through some of these things. Yeah, I think a lot of it got highlighted like very often in hiring processes and mm. like, oh, they don't look like a developer. Mm. Excuse you? Mm. <laughs> like, can they produce code? Like, right. does the code work? Like, I'm pretty sure that that's what makes a developer not the way they look. Or, you know, a lot of the thoughts and around what makes a good developer and this these stereotypes and upholding these stereotypes that you have to be this super introverted nerdy type who never leaves your basement and plays video games all the time but like just because that's what you see in the movies doesn't mean that that is what makes a good developer mm -hmm. right just because somebody's tall doesn't mean that they should play basketball and even if they're beneficial stereotypes, like they're harmful in their own way. So seeing this like attachment to these beneficial stereotypes and then encouraging them and then not even catching the harmful stereotypes that were also being perpetuated within the organization and gender roles that were being upheld and expectations of how people should show up based on gender or racial presentations. Uh, those are probably the ways that it showed up most blatantly, but in everyday interactions and even in the coding language that's often used and a lot of that's changing in tech, but uh, for a long time uh, with servers and networking, you had the master slave. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. what? 
But like, no, like we're not going to do that. But that kind of language like still has place in a lot of tech and it's language that hasn't been fully vetted or turned out yet, even though I think that there is awareness now and people are starting to think about those things. Yeah, yeah. Is that like a slang term like that was just used within like the department and stuff or? Yeah, so what it is now is like a parent child. So you have a main server, like it's your core server that runs everything. And then you have hub servers that would run off of that. But you have like your admin or God account, which may be your master account, but it's also a parent account, right? So like what everything feeds up into. So it's a way to describe a hierarchy. But yeah, there's lots of different tech terms that people didn't really think twice about what their actual meaning was or how that could be harming people that they potentially want to come work in the space or why it might be alienating to people to have to use those terms or the re-traumatization that is potentially occurring because they have to use those terms on a daily basis. Well, and then not recognizing that there's so many diverse people that you have working in this industry and then have to say that. <laughs> like that's and that also reflects like on the company and the, or the agency. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. so let's get a little bit into equity evolution. So we, again, we covered a lot of different topics, right? So I want to just basic, basic level ask the question that everybody, I feel like they're always, they always want to ask, which is like, why is diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace important, right? What what is going to be the return of investment if a company is invest in this? What are they going to get out of it? Yeah, and that's one hundred percent the question that we get all the time, and we've talked about it. Like that's the wrong question. Yeah, like, yeah. that is completely ignoring the fact that we're human, right? Mm -hmm. You want to make a business case for a human condition. Think mm -hmm. like, you're just going to continue to remove the human from the solution mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like why is dei important well because we all live in this planet together that's right yeah because we're all creating together because we all have a place because we all have value to add mm -hmm. and if companies want to continue to be companies they're going to have to figure out how to support the whole human because you can't run people into the ground and then them continue to show up in their fullness, yeah. offering all their gifts. Yeah. People are going to start holding back their gifts. Yeah. And then where do we end up? Mm -hmm. So the return on investment, like that comes out of getting that fullness, that thriving in people to where they get to show up in their innovation and creativity and co-create a beautiful future together that we can all thrive in. Instead of putting it in boxes, like, oh, that that doesn't count because it doesn't make enough money. Right. Yeah, I wish I, um, when I worked for a specific company, I wish I had this to go ahead and just send to them <laughs> to be like, this is why you need it. I don't think, I think what happens is people, companies and businesses are so driven by ROI, return of investment. They want to know 
what am I going to get back if I invest in this? Mm -hmm. And I, and I completely agree that that is the wrong way to approach it. You're, we're talking about wanting everyone, wanting your employees, your workers to feel comfortable, to come to work every day. You want them to perform. You want them to be happy about working here. You want them to uh, smile at you in our work meetings, but then you don't understand why it's important to have some sort of diversity, equity, inclusion sources or um, programming within your organization. Simply because if you don't have any of that, none of those things that I mentioned are going to happen and your retention is going to be piss poor. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, and I, I also do... think that we've made the business case. Research shows what diversity, equity, and inclusion does to support businesses, and it's not changing. Right. So it's clearly not just about the numbers. It's clearly not just about the return on investment, because if it was, money would continue to be invested in it, and it's not. It's actively being divested from it, mm -hmm. because they're claiming they don't see the return on investment, mm -hmm. but why? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and And I also, you know, the other part is, Yes. Why? And then once we figure out the why, are you going to take responsibility for why everything is happening the way it's happening? You know, mm -hmm. and we'll get into it later about how DEI is outrageously being taken out of companies. But um, but moving on to just I kind of want to touch on employee resource groups. Um, so in my um, past experience, and Stephanie can speak to being a part of an employee resource group, and I'm sure you can too, um, employee resource groups are there are uh, groups of employees who join in the workplace based on their shared characteristics um, and or life experience. And they're generally put in place in order to for people to come together and share resources or talk about DEI programming um, or to create space for uh, other things within the organization, essentially, which is also, they are built um, through most, uh, for the most part, through DEI programs um, within the organization. Mm -hmm. So um, I just kind of want to talk through like pluses of having an employee resource group or an employee network group um and uh just hear your experiences based on what you've experienced being a part of them yeah i would say the biggest thing is being an only or a few mm -hmm. can be really isolating mm -hmm. and being able to reconnect with people who share similar lived experience as you uh, and outward presentations as you do and what their experience in the workplace can also help manage that crazy making that can happen and questioning of self when you're an only or you're a few. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The amount of times that I've been the only woman in the tech department, maybe the only woman leader, uh, that sort of thing, you show up to meetings and you're like, is this happening because I'm a woman? Is this happening because you're a jerk? Mm -hmm. Is it both? Mm -hmm. Or is there something else that I'm missing? Because like, I really don't understand this difference and how I'm being treated versus how I watch you treat other people. Mm. Like, do you just not like me? Why don't you like me? Mm. And all those questions. But when you have a group that you can go connect with, like, hey, this is my experience and be heard and be seen and be supported, 
that makes a world of difference in how able you are to work through those things and to show up. Because there may have been times in which I needed to be held accountable for some sort of behavior and somebody who has my same lived experience be like, yeah, I see how you're concerned about that, but here's what I also saw. Mm-hmm. And be able to give you more impactful feedback that isn't invalidating of your experience where if you go and talk to somebody who hasn't lived in your lived experience, they're like, here's making mountains out of molehills. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, do you want to share? Yeah. For for myself, um, I would say, um, you know, that's relatable. Um, but I have not been in the tech industry, but I, I would say that like in my experience having these groups, um, it helps like build a team. So then there is like a support system. And like you said, there's space for accountability and stuff like that. Um, But just feeling like supported and like having an outlet, you know, where everybody can just kind of like get together. Like if someone needs to vent, someone needs to vent. But also um, in my experience with these groups, um, it was getting like knowledge out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like if it was Black History Month or Hispanic Heritage Month, um, women's uh history international women's international yeah so just kind of we would do like you know powerpoints or presentations things like that um that are playing through like on the tvs throughout the office or um sending out emails and things like that so people can get informed and i think once people are like informed um it allows more space less space for like you know, ignorance and like just kind of being more aware and like how you treat people and um, connecting overall, like you said, you know, because you don't want to go in and just not like your job or just feel like like a zombie or like a robot um, because that's draining and then you just you don't perform as well at all. Um, So that was like the main thing like for myself and what I felt was beneficial and it makes the company look good that you know people are informed and like um having these these resources for their teams and their employees and stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I agree so I've had experience so um I've had experience with both like I've had experience being a part of employee resource group where did not have like leadership backing where they didn't fully support. And then I've had an experience where I've uh, been a part of resource in employee networks where fully funded, fully, you know, governor and gov- uh, fully funded, fully have um, their, their setup and their uh, governor and setup and everything. Um, and, you know, on one hand, when you don't have like that leadership that believes actually in doing the work, they um it doesn't really thrive right um which is one of the other questions of you know what are some of the barriers that can hold back employer resource groups and not having leadership buy-in is one of those things not having Mm -hmm. them fully support what you're doing um how you're going to move it forward and then also not knowing actually what they want to do with it (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. the other part you know i can only I can only give you so many ideas, but if you're giving me straws to deal with, then there's not much I can do with that. Like, you know, and, and again, like even on the show, we talked a lot about like using your external resources and, or if you have internal resources, 
And at the time, like, you know, I didn't have the external resources. Like I really didn't know where to turn. So, you know, I say all that to say, like, you know, I've had really good experience with employee resource groups where, you know, it it does build a community and, you know, it does, it does create space for you to have and talk about if you're having a bad day or, you know, it, you meet people to go have lunch with when you're at work um, that you probably wouldn't meet because it's, you know, so many different teams and they work in different sectors. Um, but I, I've definitely had good experiences and I've definitely had like bad experiences. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that you said right there, right, about leadership backed and clarity on what the point is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there alignment from what the employee resource group wants to do and the impact they want to have in the organization? Are they wanting to teach? Are they wanting mm -hmm. to share information and to bring people in? Mm -hmm. Or do they just need a place to vent, a place to be safe, a place to be seen? Mm -hmm. Like I've seen both types of resource groups available, but if leadership is like, oh yeah, we want to support you in getting this information out, but then there's no money for it or not now, not now, not now, mm -hmm. that's just performative. So then you said that we could have this group to make us feel better. Right. Like for what? Right. Yeah. Or yeah. Like just to say you have you or, did it or mm -hmm. you, you know you try it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or to get the funding. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's another reason. Um and so, you know, just again, uh speaking to like, you know, like barriers, I think also um funding is another part of those barriers. And we talked about this before too. Um although we know that employee resource groups and employee net or employee networks, whatever your company calls them, um, these people are using additional time to work in the employee resource group for the usually. That's usually the case. Um, you know, it's it's volunteered. And I think as um when people are leading these groups, that's also sometimes that's a lack of understanding of that, right? Like they, you know, they understand the things that we want to do. We understand that the things that being a part of this group, what we want to achieve, but what sometimes gets lost in um uh lost in understanding is that they have a job that they're actually here to do. And then mm -hmm. everything else after that is where they can use their time to work on uh, things that are within initiatives within their employee resource group. Mm -hmm. Which um, goes to talk about, you know, what is job expectation and the mm -hmm. amount of things that somebody has to do on their to-do list are, are the expectations of individual jobs within appropriate parameters mm -hmm. for what can actually be accomplished by one person. And, you know, the larger company versus small startup tech companies, right? Like those companies that are too small to even have employee resource groups, mm -hmm. what do they do, right? right? And how do they support one another? And and what does that look like mm -hmm. for supporting of people and mm -hmm. whatever volunteer stuff they want to do above and beyond, like, where's the time for that? And how is that created and generated? Yeah. And the, I mean, you make a great point there because I often think about, you know, smaller startups or smaller companies because, I mean, I don't uh, when you look at HR laws, it's always like 50 or more or, you know, 20 or more. And I'm like, 
well, what do these small companies do? Like, if there's 15 of us sitting in a room, you mean it's I'm just five short of needing an HR, an HR loss? Like, you know, what, how do we, how, how do they navigate through things that they need or if they feel like they need some sort of, um, some sort of understanding between the difference of people that are sitting in the room with them, you know? Like, does that mean the the leaders that they have need to make sure to have that knowledge? You know, it's just those little things that I think about um, when you think about, when I talk, when you talk about startups or smaller companies or, you know, people that really have, um, that have like smaller uh, cohorts that they're, that they're working with as far as like employee wise. Just mm -hmm. to piggyback on that, um, I had a question like, is it only larger scale companies that can get this sort of funding usually? And also like, is it the government that provides funding for things like this in, in agencies or? Do you, uh, like, like, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, like, like for DEI. For DEI. Yeah. Yeah. So in my experience, um, funding, usually people that source funding for, um, for DEI are usually like not-for-profits. They source it out. Okay. But bigger corporations, they they just have, you know, they have their budget. Right. They work it into the budget. Mm, okay. okay. Public agencies, um, kind of the same. If they have to outsource funding, then they'll outsource it because they have the option of kind of doing both. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's usually from what I understand that okay. happens. Which is why so many public companies don't have employee resource groups, mm -hmm. right? Like thinking about like really big, like Microsoft has tons of them, mm -hmm. right? GitHub has tons of them. And mm -hmm. there's a fair amount of tech companies that I would say invest in employee resource groups sooner rather than later. Like there's, I would say that they start that at a, a lower headcount than outside of the tech industry, probably because there's been such a push for inclusion and equity and diversity specifically there. Um, I mean, people of color only make up 5% of the tech industry. Like that's, that's, that's so low. And women still, I think only make up 23% of the tech industry and computer programming started out as a woman's job. So Matter of fact, like anything that's... pertaining to a computer and a desk and a keyboard was supposed to be what's considered a woman's job. A woman's job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And it wasn't until the 80s that they started marketing computers to young boys as toys mm -hmm. and not to girls that we saw that shift happen and the plummet of women in not just, I mean, in technology, but kind of in STEM altogether, mm -hmm. there was a big drop off there. Interesting. So like if these companies like um they just don't want to include something like that in their budget and they're like, oh, we'd rather use this money for like bonuses or something like that, then that just means then there's no DEI department. Mm -hmm. And they oh. Yeah. Or it's managed by HR. Is that right. what's happening? Is kind of like we're going in there right okay. now matter of fact that's right where we're headed into look at that segue um, right look at that segue <laughs> um so again like I, uh di is being wildly defended in many different companies one that i was going to mention was like google um because and so they, they were tightening budget for 2023 so they say um and then meta was another one that came up um which also i don't know if you meta has 
a little bit of a history of having like a toxic work environment. So it's crazy that they uh, would get rid of their uh, DEI department or start defunding it. Um, so you were hitting on this um, already starting to go into that, Stephanie. Um, and yes, like essentially what happens is these public uh, companies, they have, they'll, you know, they'll have this revenue coming in, they create their budgets they, you know, they say, okay, this is going this way, this space, this is going that space. People mm -hmm. are going to get their annual uh, increases. People are going to get their bonuses. Okay, but organizational downsizing, these companies are losing uh, X amount of money and have lost um, some money during the, mostly during COVID. Mm -hmm. So now they're trying to um, make up for it now by doing these company downsizing, mm. which has started in mostly in the HR recruiting DEI spaces, especially then with the reversing of, um, help me, the reversing Roe v. Uh, Roe v. Wade. And then also, um, I'm having a brain fart. Affirmative action. Affirmative action. So all of that. I was like, there's been so many things reversed. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah. So, um, so I also think that all of those things started kind of like that downfall of it getting down to these huge public agencies that have now, not public agencies, these huge public companies that have now decided to now make these cuts in these areas. Interesting. So, well, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is... Yeah, the major there's lots of major cuts happening in recruiting. I would say a lot of there's a lot of layoffs that happen or turnover that happens in sales departments yep. as well, right? Like you're not selling enough, therefore we can't justify you. Like we're going to find a salesperson who can, which that happens in sales all the time, but anyway, that's a whole other conversation. And then the DEI and HR outside of just specifically recruiting but then the people who are being laid off in other sections of the companies, it's disproportionately laying off people of color, other marginalized communities and women. Like all of those marginalized communities are the ones who are being affected the most by company layoffs. Mm -hmm. And I find it very interesting coincidence that I don't really have evidence for, but we're not only doing this layoff that's disproportionately affecting people from historically marginalized communities, but then we're laying off the department that would say, hey, don't do that. That's right. I mean, I don't think we need the science. <laughs> I think facts are the facts. <laughs> it's just a noticing. Like, it really convenient. But the department would say, hey, maybe we don't do that. <laughs> gets laid off before all the people that they would suggest you maybe take a closer look at. Interesting. So let's and talk, even if we looked at it from the business perspective, like, oh, well, we hired a bunch of junior people in and while we need to cut junior people, we've just reversed all of the progress that was made. Like, yeah, you did hire a bunch of junior people because they've been historically kept out of the industry and haven't had access to the opportunities to not be in a junior position. For so long. Like there's more to, oh, well, they were just the most junior. So we let them go, but why? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it's also like, so 
you know, so, so during my time when I was laid off, I, um, oh, well, I'm still laid off. <laughs> <laughs> during my, during this time, it's, I, I think in my mind, I never would think that I would, I would have seen the number of people that said, I worked at this company for 17 years. I worked at this company for 15 years. I worked at this company for 10 years. And then I've just been laid off. And so I don't know, like it was, it was pretty mind blowing for me to see the number of people that worked at companies for so long that have been putting time into 401ks and retirement and things like that, that just, that the company had decided that, you know, you are no longer going to be working at this place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and all of these in different sectors of work. So like marketing, like you were saying, sales, Mm -hmm. uh, HR, DEI, recruiting, all of those spaces. But like you mentioned, a good portion of them were in the same space that I worked in and, you know, were, were being laid off at a very fast and quick rate. And mm-hmm. it it was mind-blowing to me the number of years these people had put into a company and then for them to now decide, we're cutting you here. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Um, So I want to talk about long-term consequences. And, and just, you know, off the top of my head, like, Again, I could think to the when all of the layoffs was happening at the company I worked for, and you could immediately feel the lack of morale. Mm. The when when it was announced at our um, he at our huge uh, like we would do like a um a, a company wide meeting mm-hmm. every so often where the CEO would come speak, and I mean it was it was virtual too, so everybody could be in on this meeting um and it was announced and then it was also announced that we would then be going back to work in office two days out of the week and starting in may it would be mandatory that we would have to be there four days a week so not Mm -hmm. only are you announcing that you're going to be laying people off soon you're also telling them that there's no longer any real flexibility around your hybrid work and all of these people that have been working from home now have to come into the office in a building that cannot fit everybody. <laughs> so, I would love to just talk through like long-term consequences. Like I've already mentioned morale. What are some that can come up for the both of you? High turnover rate? Yeah. Yeah. High turnover retention is definitely one. Um, Just like people seeking better things and using your company as a stepping stone versus wanting to like build a future within your company. Mm-hmm. Long mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eroding that sense of loyalty, I think is a, a big one there, right? Especially when you're looking at the layoffs happening to tenured employees for all intents and purposes, right? Like 10, 15, almost 20 years at a company Clearly, they've stayed. They've been loyal. But I think what we see there is that company double speak of, well, there's no loyalty anymore, mm-hmm. but we're going to lay somebody off who's been here for 20 years. Yep. And like, sure, individual cases, there may be more reasons for that, right? Like, did there start to be performance issues? Like, all the pushback that we would hear, the yeah, buts that show up. Mm-hmm. 
but at its core, morale is going to be affected, right? Now people are afraid. And so they're either disengaged because they're afraid and they don't know how to make things better, but they stay the job anyway, or they're afraid and they start actively seeking another job, but either way they're disengaged. And so the expectation of more with less isn't going to happen mm -hmm. because they don't even have the support systems they need to even show up and do the minimum. Right. And right. so there's this like ripple effect throughout an organization that not only have you lost the knowledge you've lost the experience you've lost the actual human hours to dedicate to a thing but you've also now lost people being ready to show up because they can't show up in the fear well and not to mention i just think that it's can't showing up and then also not only can they not emotionally show up but the mentality that you think they can physically then show up for you as they are trying to maneuver their lives that was not that had no change for 10 years or however x amount of um, time um and now have to then go and figure it out after mm -hmm. this like you know mm -hmm. and i also think that i would just like to say when you learn and these are for this is for the people listening and watching. If you learn that a work colleague has this has been either laid off or terminated or whatever the case is, please stop saying to them, I'm surprised you coming to work and doing your job because you have no idea the type of the integrity that they are or what they are trying to continue to hold on to while working at this company that they know they have to leave in a month or less. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't think people realize how a triggering that is, how B you're trying to, I think they think it's comforting and it may be for some people, but personally, my integrity would not let me not come to work to continue to do my job, even if I'm going to be leaving it in a month or less, like you mm -hmm. that. So though it just think about that and be mindful when you learn that from people or when you learn that news about people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like that's bringing in that human element again, mm -hmm. remembering. And I think that people show up in a good intention, like mm -hmm. they're projecting how they would feel if that was them, but they're sympathizing versus empathizing right. and holding space that I have no idea how this is currently affecting you. Yeah. Yeah. And I like I want to connect with you. That's clearly what they want to do. Mm -hmm. But then ruining the connection because the other person that's on the receiving end of that is just like, man, I barely made it here. And now I'm second guessing my choice <laughs> to right. have made it here. Yeah. Yeah. So just to wrap this up, I want to ask the question that I think, you know, just thinking about everything that we've talked about, just you know, sometimes companies have the lack of funding, you know, the leadership, the lack of leadership buy-in. Um, companies are taking it out of their organization programming or structure. Do you think DEI is just going to disappear and dissipate and go mm -hmm. away? Um, what do you think? I think that there is a group of people who would really like to see that happen. Mm -hmm. But I also think that the collective is waking up and realizing that they have a lot more power than those handful of people who would like to see it go away. Yeah. 
I think we're waking up and realizing that the status quo isn't working for everybody and this promise versus the reality isn't adding up and we're done. Mm -hmm. Do you want to add anything? No, no, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it, like, the people are either going to stand up for themselves, you know, or they're not. And if they're more informed and things like this, platforms like this are more common now um, where they can have access to this information, you know, and, yeah. you know, stand up, get woke. <laughs> Dana hates that word. I hate that word. Um, what do you think there? I I do not. I think I think uh every you know everything that we've all just said is one hundred percent true. No, it's not going to go away. And yes, I do think there is people out there who do want it to just disappear. But I think the reality of it is that um again when you think about you know the people of your organization uh, and how you want people to show up, there's no way that it could just go away. You could just not have it. There will mm -hmm. always be um, some source of uh, DI peace within organizations if you want them to fluently flow. Mm -hmm. So I do not mm -hmm. think it will be something that goes away. Um, it may change names and presentation, but the requests right. and the core aren't going anywhere. Yes, 100%. So in wrapping up, Alexandria, tell the people where they can find you. Share what uh, platforms, if you want folks to follow, let us know where we can find you. Absolutely. You can find uh, the Disruptors on all of the social media channels. Uh, the handle is the disruptors uh, dot or dash us on all the different platforms. Uh, and that's our website as well. The dash disruptors dot us because uh, we can all disrupt together and create a collective better. Yes, 100%. All right. Well, we're going to take a small break and then we'll be back to close out the rest of the show. I do want to say thank you. And I learned yes. a lot and yes. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much you. for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yes. Thanks. Thank you. All right. We'll be back. Moving into our spiritual segment. Um, we pulled our cards off cam. So do you want to go first or? Yeah. So I pulled the world card and the description says, the final card of the major arcana, the world is an end and a beginning. Um, the world is the end of a cycle, the destination we plan to reach. It is point zero from which we restart in order to grow and explore again. The world pushes us to leave our comfort zone to make sure that it doesn't become a golden cage. Here you, here you arrive and from here you start again. Following the cyclical nature of the arcanas it is connected to travel and discovery and recalls Gaia the goddess of the earth and soul of the planet as well as she who created the sky um so it was basically just you know like closing one story and then you know starting a new story mm -hmm. um at a more evolved higher level mm -hmm. um and awareness and I relate in the sense of like, I do feel that, you know, this, this new year, last year was a lot of like healing and inner work and things like that. So then this year just being a little bit more, um, like aware of, you know, the power I'm capable of, 
of having and like um, who I am now versus who I was or who I, I have been. I do feel like a different person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I would say the same. Like I obviously am not the same person I was um, this time last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, right. There's so many things I've changed since then. So. Right. Um, it's interesting that it's the world, like it's the world card. It's kind of sounded like it's the ending of an era, new beginning, Mm -hmm. a beginning of a new one, which I think is really cool. Um, so I pulled an affirmation card, which says, I'm grateful to be the soul to inhabit this magnificent body. So it says, my love, your body is your forever temple on this earth it is the vessel that was divinely designed and customized for your soul it's equipped it's it's equipped with all you need to protect your love your loving heart it will accompany very step of it will accompany every step of the journey with you in this lifetime give it thanks love up on it and nourish it with the best of what you can give it's yours. It's magnificent. It is resilient and it is perfect. Um, the journal prompt is write a love letter to your body, your temple, your forever vessel. I love that. Oh, that's nice. That's cute. I do like that. Me too. This was a good episode. It was a good episode. Get out. Both of you. First and foremost. Get. <laughs> hey, be careful. First and foremost, <laughs> they knew they ain't supposed to be in here. And I'm over here petting him. You're over here petting him. <laughs> um, okay. Yes, this was a good episode. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the conversation. It was a good one. Perfect way to kick off Black History Month talking about diversity in the workplace mm-hmm. and um, having that conversation. I think it was dope. Mm-hmm. Um do you want to close this out where people can like follow in? Yeah. Make us? sure you guys are following us on Instagram. Hella Cheese Pod. Make sure you um, like and subscribe on YouTube. Comment. We love your guys' comments, DMs, reactions. Um, Patreon, you know, $8 a month. Mm-hmm. And you get all the video footage, all the tea, mm-hmm. and our facial reactions, <laughs> which... I promise you will not disappoint. Mm -hmm. And we are very grateful for you tuning in every Friday. Yes. And also, don't forget to join us on February 16th. We are having a virtual live event. Uh, All details will be coming soon. Um, Just make sure to save the date. Mm -hmm. Um, Lastly, do not text and drive or else you will lose a pinky toe. Mm -hmm. Um, And make sure to take care of yourselves and your friends. Uh, Reach out to them and check on them. And um, we'll see. Yeah, February is the month of love as well. Yes. You know, be kind. Be kind to each other and, you know, recognize all of the uh, black history of this month and black businesses, black businesses do all of the things mm-hmm. um, to make sure to support. And we will see and chat with y'all next week. Bye. Adios.